0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor & Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring
1: and lowest prices guaranteed. Kent in Midlothian, how are you today? Hey, good morning. good morning. Good morning. Well, it's afternoon now, Kent. You know, it's time for lunch.
2: That's right. That's right. These weekends seem to go by really
1: fast doesn't it well how can i help hey, uh, you today
2: yes uh i had a question uh it's a little complicated but i'll try to hit the high points uh i had the engineer's report done on my foundation recently and uh i'm gonna have uh, uh 11 peers put in but in a different section of the house uh he uh, in the kitchen. He described what's called uh, the the foundation apparently crowned slightly, and I'm trying to. Uh, there's a little dip in the floor right there, but the floor material, which is down right now, is tile, and and it's it's uneven. It kind of has a slope to it. Uh huh. And it and I looked at the drawings that he put together, and it's one, the crown is uh, 1.2 inches plus, and then in that corner of the kitchen, it's minus 2. So you've got that slope there, and I'm trying to locate someone hey, I, who can— Hold
1: on, I want to make sure the numbers are here. A 1.2 positive to a minus 2 or a minus 0.2? A minus 0. 0.2. Okay. So it's an inch and a and, half, basically. Yeah, yeah, essentially, but when you
2: walk across it, it's noticeable, Yeah. and and I'm trying to figure out how or who I can get that can uh, reduce that slope and make it more level, and uh, how would I find someone that can do that?
1: Well, let me ask you a couple questions before you do that, sure. because you could be sure. causing problems. Did Has there been a static test to check for leaks on the solar uh, system?
2: Uh- uh, no, there has not. Uh, no, not that, yet.
1: That needs to be done first because the floor doesn't crown by itself. Uh, our soils, when they you know when they dry out, they shrink. When they get moist, they'll expand. And you know, we went through that severe drought. A lot of people had settlement. And for you to have a hump in just one room like that, especially a kitchen or near a bathroom or laundry room, typically mm-hmm. indicates. There's a possible sewer leak. Uh how old is this home?
2: Uh yeah, the the house was built in seventy four. Okay. Uh the tile that's been in this kitchen, uh I put in three years ago. I should have had the problem resolved or remediated at that time, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh in the, the tile in that three years that the tile's been down it hasn't moved or cracked or anything, it's very stable.
1: Okay. Well, Typically, who would do that type of leveling is actually the the people putting in the flooring, so the, oh, the, the flooring tile guys. Would do that. Yeah, the, the tile guys should have put some floor leveler in before putting in the tile.
2: Yeah, they put a minimal amount in, and I was not there when they did the work. Uh
1: but and I, I will uh, tell you, an inch and a half though that way, that's a huge amount to to float out with floor leveling. Yeah, uh, I really would recommend that that static test be done first, uh, okay, just to verify it. And if there, if it shows a leak, then you go in and do what's called an isolation to isolate exactly where that leak is. And honestly, it'll surprise me if you don't have a leak or something in that area. Okay. Now, or did you take any trees out, ever in uh,
2: that area? No, no, okay. I'm not taking any trees out. Uh, now. So, so, yeah, so get, I need to get the, uh, the leak test done, and then how would I, with that, that, that crown that's there in the kitchen, is that something that can
1: be ground down, or? You really they... don't want to grind it down, because you've only got four inches. If they poured it to full thickness, there's typically only four inches of concrete there to begin with. So you start grinding it down, you get down below what you really want for the thickness of the concrete. So normally, what you end up doing is floating around that hump. Okay, okay. So it can be floated out by the floor guys. Yeah, but I will will tell you again that inch and a half—that's a—that's a a huge amount, and I—I gotta believe that there's going to be a moisture source causing it. And you mentioned you're getting eleven piers put in. Did you at least call? Did you at least call my company?
2: Uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm getting bids right now. I've got bids out for two companies and I have not, I have, I'm going to have to call your company to get a bid. Yes.
1: Yep. Call Due West. That, that's my, my company. And, uh, my son is an engineer. Let him okay. come out and take a look at it. He is excellent on, uh, de- deciphering if it looks like there's a water leak or anything there. Okay. And, uh, okay, the very number, good. the number is 972. 406. Okay. Okay, it's 972-406-0912. 0912. Yep. Okay. Very good. Kent, appreciate it. All right. Thank you for your information. You bet. Have a great Labor Day weekend. All right, thank you. Robbie, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim. Um
3: uh, got a gas line that's got to be replaced running from the meter to the house. And uh, let me see, we replaced, uh, we've lived there quite a while, we got that old Orangeburg sewer line out of there back in the Uh mid-70s. But since since they're going to be digging that gas line up anyway, would it make sense to just go ahead and do a new sewer line too, just in case? Don't the sewer and the gas run in the same ditch?
1: Not all, most of the time they don't.
3: Oh, they don't, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, most of the time they don't. I mean, in, in some in some cases, when the houses were built, like, back in the uh, 40s.
4: Yeah, built in 54, this house.
1: Okay, yeah, back in the 40s, they did some of them where they were running them in the same trench. By the time we got into the 50s, they, they were separating them. And nowadays, okay. they, they virtually don't do that at all anymore.
3: All right. Okay, just wondering. Well, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: it's... it's
5: it, you
1: know, the big thing is—is is the uh, trenching is, is what costs yeah. so much on doing the the gas lines. Well, if I,
3: if I wasn't so fat and out of shape, I'd get a shovel and do it myself. But I'm going to pay to have it done. So, luckily, the next door neighbor's brother-in-law owns a plumbing company, and I so I got—I know I've got a good, dependable guy that's going to do it. So,
1: yeah, well, not to not to try to talk you out of not doing it yourself, but you know, uh, you don't necessarily have to dig it with a shovel. You could go rent a trencher.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, a ditch witch, I guess. But... Yep.
1: And it doesn't it doesn't cost that much to rent them. Uh. Right. If you if you want to do the trenching yourself. Okay. All right. I'll think about it. Thank you, Jim. Uh, you bet, Robbie. Take care. Carolyn, how can I help you?
6: Uh, two things, Jim. You do help me by being so smart, but I have this question: What is Freon? And uh then my second question is if I have to have a replacement um for this 22-year-old train what do uh-huh. you recommend somebody told me that train has sold out so there's no longer a Sorry.
1: oh well okay first freon is the coolant that's in the the system itself uh and nowadays uh we're using different coolants than than your system had you had the old R22 coolant, but yes. And the new is, is that systems, why it's so expensive? Uh, because they no longer are are manufacturing those units. Government stepped in and said no more R22. Now everything is R410A, and they're not compatible with each other. Oh and my so word! And so that has driven the cost of the R22 up. You got um, that right. <laughs> oh yeah, I I, ha- I happen to own a an AC company down in Houston so I keep up with that stuff very well and uh the 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 whole push is I think tw- it's by 2020 or 2021 it's to no longer be making the R22. Now they do have some replacement coolants. So if you have an older system that doesn't mean you got to automatically go out and get a new one. You, you, they do have some replacements to to help out. And even once they quit making it, it's still going to be available for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Currently, we're putting in R410A systems, but I'm going to tell you up front, the government is stepping in and saying there's a different coolant going to be coming out in a couple years to replace the R410A as well. So do you
6: recommend, do you recommend not buying a as oh no! I, I, right
1: away? No, I, I, I definitely. If you need a new system, I would definitely buy one now. Because again, the 410A will be available for years to come, and whatever the new coolant's going to be, they're saying will be compatible with the 410A. Oh, okay. As far as systems to look at, I, I, I don't know who told you, you know, not train. That is still a good system. There is nothing wrong with that system. Uh, take a look at Carrier. And in particular, I like the Carrier Infinity systems. Okay. And the Infinity line, it, it has variable speeds, uh, does a better job on controlling humidity and stuff. Uh, and like if you do have times where you have a lot of people in the house, it's able to ramp up and, and still maintain temperatures. Uh, so it, it's a very good system.
6: Good, thank you so much. And uh, on back on the coolant, yeah, uh, do they just charge whatever they want to now for that? Because uh, three weeks ago I paid um, forty dollars a pound, and the other day I had to pay seventy.
1: <clears throat> I don't oh. know who's who had it for forty because as a contractor, we have to pay that for it.
5: Oh, wow.
1: In fact, a lot of times you're paying more than that for it. So that was either somebody who was bootlegging and using somebody else's coolant or had some left over from a long time ago and wasn't aware what it was going to cost to replace it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, sir. Josh in Jacksboro. How can I help you today? Hey, um,
0: i our building a new house. Uh And um, so my question for you is what details would you suggest looking for with the new house build? What questions to ask the construction crews what to look out for just to make sure quality is maintained throughout the process?
1: Okay. Okay. Is it going to be a custom, or is it going to be one that uh, you're buying from a track builder?
0: It's a cookie cutter home in a neighborhood.
1: Nothing wrong with that. My son's building one right now as well. So nothing wrong with that at all. First question is going to be type of foundation uh, because and most of the time they're going to use a post-tension slab. Make sure that they had soils reports done for the area. That's critical to making sure that the slab is designed properly. Second thing is insulation in the house. Uh, there's some builders who have gone to use spray foam on the walls and in the attic and just making the whole thing one sealed envelope. I have nothing against spray foam insulation i love it in the walls but in the attic i'm going to use fiberglass because i want the house to breathe and uh so and and fiberglass insulation still does a a great job so if if the builder's going to use fiberglass in the walls and the attic which is what what they're doing on my son's home i have zero problem with that um Beyond that, now you're going to get into a lot of amenities. What kind of brick do you want? What do you want for, uh, you know, tile floors versus wood floors, things like that. Do right. not put wood floors in the kitchen. It don't no, belong no, there. Ab- it can't absolutely get wet.
0: not. Absolutely not. And yeah. what we what we have experienced when talking to people and talking to the builder and people is that uh, is that. Um, Wood floors versus the, I'm drawing a blank, the the, the pre-manufactured.
1: Oh yeah, the, uh, uh, oh shoot, man-made floors and and. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: that, that, the 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 real wood versus the uh, laminates. The, the, yes, the laminates. Yeah, you know, the laminates are so durable compared to how they were years and years ago, and they look yeah. great. So we actually chose to go with laminate because it was cheaper, first of all. But they're they're more durable than wood anyway. We have little kids running around. Probably I heard my them. daughter in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. And, and, and you know, beyond that, my uh, my wife's grandfather, who's passed away now, he said, anytime you're building a house, take the number of outlets you want around the house and double. And, it. Double it. Yep. So you, you, you heard this before. I guess maybe we oh, got gosh. this from you. I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, no, that, that, but it's a common thing. Uh, you know, new codes, So in, in, in most places, they, they're putting outlets like every five feet anyway. So it, it's pretty much taken care of.
0: Right, right. Anything to do with plumbing or um, bathroom design, anything take a look at using, we should look out for? Yeah,
1: take a look at using PEX. Uh, no PVC. Use the PEX plumbing, and if you're going to ever think you want a water softener, have it plumbed in for it now, because it's a lot cheaper okay. to do it now than it is later. And with that, I gotta let you go, Josh, because I gotta take a quick break. We'll be right back. Kelly, how are you today?
3: All right. How you doing today? Doing great. I just got a quick question. Maybe you can help me out on this. I had them uh, pour a concrete slab for a house. Uh huh. And the problem is, is now it's starting to uh, wash away on part of it, and like a hole come up on the concrete, and you see the rock and stuff under it. And, okay. And uh, i talked what, to some people, and they say the uh, ABEX or IBEX or whatever is the only way to seal this. What happened was they poured it in the rain. Okay. And they say and the finish, was, the top finish was washed off. I don't know.
1: Okay, so it is, it is the top finish that, that you're talking about where you're able to look down through and see the rock and stuff?
3: Right, and it looks wavy.
1: Yeah, and have they already started building the frame on it and everything?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Not seeing how much of it is there. I mean, there are some choices. One, uh, depending on how bad it is. First, okay, let me, let me back up. First, we know that the concrete is testing out to the right strength.
3: Well, I don't
1: know. I would I have. So. A, I I yeah, I'd have to
3: get a guy to come out here and test this.
1: I would I have, have it done. tested, and the main reason I would, uh, if it got that much water into it that it's the surface is peeling off, I want to make sure that it that it didn't just saturate the concrete to where you got extremely weak concrete because that'll be a problem for you later.
3: Right. Uh, they so, put tarps on it.
1: Oh yeah, and that and that would be normal is to is to put tarps but uh normally the tarps save that surface and that's what it's there for what if it rains enough and gets enough water on it to to mess up the surface it can also have messed up the rest of the concrete oh really yeah get it tested strength wise make sure it's at least three thousand psi after that it could actually be resurfaced i mean they've got uh products that can go on the top of that concrete that are stronger right. than the concrete will bond to it and would keep you from having an issue with the surface later. Right. So as long as the strength is there, I'm really not worried about the surface part. Your other option, and, and this, this one actually is, is something that looks great, have that surface ground down and um, and ground smooth, and those rocks really look gorgeous coming up through it. And with that, i got to let you go. I did have an email come in. Uh, I have two wooden chimneys, surrounds, that come out of my roof that need to be replaced. They're rotten. Who does that type of repair? A roofer with a question mark. No, actually, it's not going to be a roofer who does that. It's going to be someone who does siding. And uh, basically, what they'll come have to come in is re- pull all that old rotten siding off, check the 2x4s underneath, Usually the 2 x four is going to still be in good shape if you take care of it early enough. If you let the rot get too bad on the siding, it will work its way back into the 2x4s. Then you get into real structural repairs, not just the cosmetic replacing the siding. I would highly recommend that you replace it with James Hardy siding because it's a concrete-based siding. You won't have to worry about it rotting again like this. Uh, so once it's replaced, you're finished. And if you like those... The look that it has now, James Hardy has so many different choices. You'll probably be able to match the siding to what you already have. But if you want it to have a different look, by all means, go ahead. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of choices with the James Hardy siding, but that is definitely the way I would take a look. And make sure that when you do it, you use the James Hardy trim as well. Uh, far too often I see people use uh, the James Hardy siding, but then they use regular wood trim. So the siding stays looking great, but the trim looks like heck after a few years because it needs repainting and, and all that stuff. If you use the the James Hardy s- s- trim along with the siding, it all stays looking great and you don't have to worry about rotten wood ever again. Paul, this is Jim. How can I help you?
4: Hi, Jim. Um, question... I have a new home construction. Well, not exactly new. I've been there for five years. But as you can imagine, the fence they put up is falling apart rapidly. Yeah. Not exactly in the house, but it is my home. And uh, I need to put a new one up. I'm going to do it myself. What's the best material to use that I want to get the best value for my buck? Do I get something pre treated or do I get a different kind of material and put something on it? And what should I put on it?
1: I'll tell you for the post. Use the the round metal post if you have to replace yeah, the post. Absolutely, absolutely.
4: Yeah. yeah, that's, that's a de- that's a definite.
1: Okay, for uh, are the posts bad?
4: Oh yeah, well some of them are okay. Some of them are like rotted at the base. I've got some drainage issues I got to deal with too. Uh, that might be another yeah. that might not need be another question you can answer. <laughs> one.
1: Okay, uh, de- yeah, definitely. Then replace it with metal posts. And I'm gonna give you a little trick. When you when you're putting in a metal post or or really any post, whether it's a a wood post, a metal fo- post doesn't matter. Everybody always wants to mix the concrete with water and put it in the holes. Uh-huh. Put your post in. Dump about half a bag of dry concrete in the hole, and pack it with the with the handle of the shovel. Just keep tapping it down until it's all packed. Then you, you have a string that has four washers on it, two strings that are tied together. So you got four ends of it, you know, with a washer hanging on each one. Okay. Set that on top of the post with a washer hanging down on all four sides. When the washer is touching on all sides, the post is level.
4: Okay. And okay. you
1: and you add another half bag of the, the sacrete, tap it and pack it tight again, and you just keep coming up that way with the fence in place and tight, uh, that way, you, you're able to start building on the fence as soon as you're done. You don't have to wait for that concrete to dry. How the, deep? the moisture from the soil will actually absorb into the concrete and set it up. And usually when you come back the next morning, it's already set up.
4: How deep they'll put those metal posts?
1: Uh, usually, rule of thumb, if you're going to have, say, six foot of it sticking up out of the ground... Put at least two foot of it in the ground. Okay. You want a third of it down. Okay. Good.
4: Uh, and about the the wood post, what, what's okay.
1: the best? Uh, for a wood post, if you went with wood post, uh, obviously ground contact treated lumber. And there is a difference okay. between treated lumber and ground contact treated. So you want to make sure it's rated for ground contact.
4: Understood because that's what's the problem with because it, it puts up yep. in the ground' it
1: the rot. Yeah, Now one trick that that gets missed a lot of times when you're when you're uh, doing your concrete at the very top, mound it up above ground level and make it like a little dome so that the water that gets onto it runs off of it. And, oh
4: no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I confused you. I'm going to do the metal post. I'm yeah, I know, but I'm, this is work. this is
1: for everybody else though. Well, even on a metal sorry. post, this is critical because if you have it where the uh, concrete concaves and holds a pocket of water there, it will rust the metal post out, even though it's galvanized. Sure, sure. Because one thing you got to remember is concrete is is a is a material that's rather toxic. No, it's not. It's not toxic as far as going to kill you type toxic well i, I guess the silica and it is nowadays but uh, it will eat away even at the metal post so that's one of the things that you want to just dome it up so that the water runs off and it doesn't eat away at the post uh, as far as your rails for the for the fencing treated lumber and it doesn't have to be con- a ground contact it's just regular treated lumber is fine for that on your pickets Cedar pickets. Yeah. Okay. That simple. So that's simple. <laughs> all right. Now, if I you want to keep it looking good, if you want to keep it looking good, you're going to uh, stain it and seal it and all that stuff. And you know, if you if you use a good sealer, you can basically get away with uh, resealing it once every five years or so.
4: You recommend a brand?
1: Uh, There's two brands I can tell you about. Uh, One is Olympic, and the other one is called Ready Ready Seal. Okay. And the Ready Seal is made here in the Dallas area. Okay. Both of them are available at, you know, the box stores like Home Depot. Okay.
4: And one of the big reasons I'm having a problem is because between the houses, you know, it slopes down in between each house where the property line is. Yep. And some major drainage issues. What's the best way to fix that before I replace a fence?
1: Well, that, does it not drain out to the road at this point?
4: It's, you know, it's, it's micro terrain. It's Some of it drains out. Some of it sits in the middle. Yeah. You know, I guess it's need to go through and dig a trench or something. That's it.
1: You're going to have to, to just go well, through and and you know the way what they what they try to do is make a V shape in order to take the drainage out unfortunately what they do is they get a nice V between the houses and when you get to the edge of the house where it's going out to the front yard I don't know why but inevitably when they're doing the front yard they get dirt into that trench and so it creates just a little dam and leaves about 3 inches of water between the houses yes
4: yes absolutely
1: and so, basically, you just have to dig it out to, to finish taking that V out to the, the road to get rid of that water.
4: When I dig that V, do I leave it empty, or should I put, like, some rock, gravel, sand, something in it? Nah, no, let,
1: let, the, let the grass grow back into it. Just make sure you take it down enough so that when the grass does grow back in, the water can still flow through it.
4: Is there a decent... Like the way you do with the washers and the leveling—is there some kind of um, neat little trick to make sure that it's a straight line, or right.
1: yeah, you, know, you know the 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 trick there is to use a, a water level. I mean, you can get a transit and all that fancy stuff, but really, if you just get a, a clear tube and create a water level, and it, it's 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 no harder than fill that tube with water, and the ends are going to. Where the you can measure how high the water is at each end. Uh Water seeks its own level, so if you hold a tape measure at one end, and the water comes up to six inches, you go over to the other end, and the water comes to four inches. You got two inch difference. Okay, just some normal
4: rubber or plastic tubing. Yep. Don't be both them.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's. Pretty simple. <laughs> Pretty simple. Well, that's about all I have to ask you, sir. Well, sir, you have a great Labor Day weekend, and uh, I, I would put off getting this started until next week. Take 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 the weekend off. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: <laughs> you bet. Take care. Shaw, this is Jim. How can I help you?
5: Uh, hello, sir. I have a question. Uh, I'm planning to replace my roof uh-huh. uh, with a ridge vent on the top. And I was told that once I put a ridge vent, I don't need to have a turbine. But if I would like to have a turbine for additional ventilation, would it hurt?
1: No. Uh, And the main reason is if you have two different types of exits for the air up there, they will start drawing off of each other instead of drawing from the soffit vents. So you either go with the ridge vent or you go with the turbines. But I really recommend you take a, a serious look at just going with the ridge vents. The biggest problem most people have with ridge vents is they don't put enough soffit vents in. So, you know, the way that the whole thing works is hot air rises. As it rises, it goes out through that ridge vent and pulls new air in through the soffit vents. And just to give you an idea, for every 150 square foot of attic space you have, you need one square foot of ventilation. 60% should be in the soffits or uh, in the ridge, 40% in the soffits.
5: Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't write it down, but I mean, uh, the roofer should know, right?
1: They should know, but most of them don't follow it.
5: Okay, so how can I find uh, the reference to this uh, uh, measurement somewhere else? Because (laughs) I didn't have a paper and pen handy to write it down.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, just remember, 150 square foot, one foot of ventilation, and if if you do it a 50-50 split, you're fine.
5: Okay, so for every 150 square foot, I need to have uh,
1: one square foot of ventilation.
5: One square foot of ventilation. Oh, okay, I see. No, I'm planning to put surface vents all, all over. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, the thing is, I, on my, some of my uh, roof ridges, uh, I have more than one ridge. So sure. uh, there is very less clearance, uh, like a crawling space only. Uh, and that's why, uh, since there is no room, uh, uh, I, I, I was thinking to put some turbines yeah. on those ridges. Uh, uh, but you are saying it's not advisable.
1: No, it's, it, you, you don't want to combine the, the two. You, you either go with one or the other, but don't don't combine them.
5: Oh, okay. 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 But I think the, between the two, the ridge wind will be more efficient.
1: Yes, sir. Okay, that's what I, and that's what I have in my house because they, they do a much better job.
5: Okay. Okay. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Been talking about building a shed. Maybe you're going to build a workshop, whatever you're looking at building. If you're not going to heat and cool it, how are you going to control temperature in there? Well, let's face it. Most of us, when we have a workshop, we're not going to run an air conditioner all the time. So how do you get away with having air conditioning and still make it cost-effective to operate it? Everybody hears about radiant barriers, and we always assume that the only time, only place to use a radiant barrier is up in the attic. Well... That's the furthest from the truth. If you're going to build a shop or a shed or something like that, and, and I'm going to use it when I build mine here at the house. Uh, yes, I do the show from home. Uh, what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build my frame. I'm going to have plywood on the outside walls. Then I'm going to use a multi-layer radiant barrier so it can be sandwiched behind my siding, which I'll be using James Hardy siding to match the siding on my house. And then on the inside, I'm going to put another layer of that radiant barrier. So I'm going to actually have two layers of radiant barrier. And then I'll put plywood or pegboard, either one, depending on the area of the shop, on the inside there as well. So yes, I've got my 2 by 4 studs. As a dead air space, I'm going to have two layers of plywood, one on the outside, one on the inside, so it's going to be extremely rigid. But for the energy efficiency of it, the radiant barrier blocks the heat, the radiant heat that comes in. Why am I going to have two layers? Because you're going to get a little bit that comes in. The second layer is just an added protection. Uh, With that, and have a well-ventilated attic in, in it, With Radiant Barrier there as well, if you have no air conditioning system on, you're typically going to be about 12 to 15 degrees cooler than the outside temperature, because it's going to be much like being under a shade tree. But you're actually able to heat and cool it with an air conditioning system. You know, we all think of regular insulation as the only way to make a place energy efficient. Radiant barriers do an excellent job of making a place energy efficient. We don't use them for that purpose because all our building codes require regular insulation, the fiberglass or the cellulose and all that. I don't like cellulose, go with fiberglass, but different story there. Beyond that, a radiant barrier does an excellent job of keeping the heat and cold from touching each other. Especially when you use the multi-layer systems. Now, I, I typically use one called Energy Q, and it does a great job of it. But by keeping the two separated that way, it just gives me that added protection, and I've got a dead air space between the two layers that helps control temperature. And so you can actually turn the air conditioning system on. I, I explained this uh, on a show several years ago and I had a guy actually build a house Where he wasn't financing it or anything, wasn't within city limits, so he built his house this way. And he built, if I remember right, it was like a 1,600-square-foot house, and he's typically running about an $80 to $85 electric bill for cooling it in the summer months. It works, and it does a great job, and the house is still breathable. And that's critical. you got to have the homes breathable. That's one of the reasons I don't care for the spray foam insulation. Now, is this going to work in the northern states where there's snow and, and where it gets ice cold? No. This is more designed for controlling the temperature in a hot area. Will it help, like in our environment here during the winter months? Absolutely. Because if you do have heat in there, it keeps your radiant heat from escaping out to the outside. But it will not work in the northern states because it's just not going to handle it. The, the, you need that extra insulation up there. So and, and just like they, they're trying to bring the foam insulation here from the northern states, and I'm telling you, it doesn't work that well here. It's a great insulator, but because of our temperatures and humidity levels, you'll have problems with it. Do the walls with the foam insulation. Fiberglass in the attic, so the structure breeds they can't take that radiant barrier up into the northern states and make it work the same there. Different environments, and and builders got to get into their heads that you can't move everything across the country. Build for the environment you're in. You'll have a much better product in the end. Anyways, that's uh, just the way I'm looking at putting a structure together. I want to build something large enough that I can put an RV in it and still have about two bays as a workshop. And when I say two bays, about a two-car garage size. uh, That's just what I'm looking at for myself for at home. I got a regular shop at work, but you know, you want to have your own tools at home to do stuff. And so that's that's something that's on my horizon. All right, Gary, this is Jim. How can I help you?
6: Thank you, sir. Uh, The water heater at my house has gone
1: out And
6: the plumber will be at my house uh, Tuesday morning. We're going to go down to a supply store and see what we can find. I would like uh, to get a uh, commercial-grade, tank-type, water heater, natural gas, 40- or 50-gallon size. Okay. Can you uh, recommend a brand or uh, something like that that I can think about?
1: Well, let me ask you a quick question first. Is it in the attic? No. Okay, so it's in the open area where it's easy to get to? Yes. Okay. Why a commercial grade?
6: Because I want the best quality I can possibly find. I'd be willing to spend up to a couple thousand dollars for it. Oh,
1: you no, don't, you don't have to do that.
6: I want I want to last for a long time and sure. no problems with it.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a, a uh, really hard-kept secret in the water heater business. You know, you've got the two-year and, and a five-year and a 10-year warranty. The difference in the cost is strictly for the warranty itself. The tank on the water heater, the burners, all that stuff is virtually the same in all of all those different warranty periods. So typically, if you buy a five-year heater, you're you're normally going to get like 10 or 15 years out of it. Um, and it really there's really not a difference between a commercial-rated in a residential. Now, are there some differences? Absolutely. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, But I would really recommend that you kind of stick with a residential water heater rather than trying to go to a commercial level. Uh, The other thing is, as far as brands, there's really only five manufacturers of water heaters. Um, They're all just relabeled for all these different brands. Take a look at Rheem. Rheem is kind of a, like the standard on the water heaters, mm-hmm. and I, w- I would stick with them.
6: I understand that uh, some of the tanks uh, have plastic lining that don't have the anode rod.
1: Yeah. Th- th- there's, there's a few of them out there that's really not predominant in the water heater industry yet, and I personally would probably stay away from that. Stick with the old-style tank with the anode rod. Okay. Okie dokie. I appreciate it, Jim. You bet. Take care and have a great weekend.
0: You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.